This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are finally coming to an episode I've been hinting at. We've been postponing <laughs> about self-disclosure. Uh, in this episode, we we're particularly talking about women and self-disclosure, but especially uh, around things like abortion. I have seen this conversation play out lately. Um, a lot of times we talk about it, even if we never use this term specifically in the activism space or the advocacy space. So it it is a bigger conversation than what we're having today. And today is kind of a more... Uh, siloed personal one that I've been thinking about. Um, and then the algorithm was like, you've been thinking about this. I was like, oh no, I'm creeped out that you know that, but I have. Um, I know. So just to put that out there, um, content warning, we are talking about uh, sexual assault and trauma. Uh, take care of yourselves. I don't think we're going to go too in depth, but maybe more in depth than we would normally go when we say stuff like that. So just to put that out there. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this and note, I have not read this, but a lot of quotes are about it, is that Britney Spears had a memoir come out recently and there were some very upsetting things that she talked about and shared in it. And so I got served via the algorithm this article from Slate that was about self-disclosure and kind of the pros and cons of self-disclosure. And self-disclosure is essentially what it sounds like, like you're disclosing something about yourself. Well, okay, here's a quote from Slate. Sharing a mental health experience or a hardship like a pregnancy loss is called self-disclosure. You can self-disclose to a friend or family member or to the whole world, but it involves deeply personal details, though. It is far from easy and should be done with care. 
The aftermath of self-disclosure can include any emotion from joy to sadness to grief to anger. Telling your story in public, especially over and over again, has the potential to make anyone re-experience, even be re-traumatized by events of the past. So we're going to talk about that more in a second, but the quote goes on. Further, no one can control how others will respond to the disclosure. The person sharing may turn inward on themselves with negative self-talk as a result of someone else's take on their story or a clicky headline cavalierly summing up their terrible experience. It's impossible to know what Brittany is going through as her stories reverberate, though her most recent Instagram post might give us a hint that it's really, really tough, but I worry about her experience of self-disclosing such personal details given that she has gone through so much and likely still is going through a lot. This concern is something I have for my own patients too. They are not global pop sensations, and most of them will probably never write a memoir, but many of them talk to me about a desire to share. I treat a lot of college students, and they are on TikTok and other social media platforms. Their posts can draw attention from people they do not know in person, and sometimes in unexpectedly huge numbers. So, I was thinking about this, and it's kind of funny, because <laughs> I think I, I've had this episode planned for a while, so I think the episode I did that replaced this one originally, the happy hour, where I was just an anxious mess, and I was talking about fan fiction and how I don't understand relationships at all, it kind of relates to that quote about, like, you can never, <laughs> when people are interpreting or um, commenting on something uh, that feels very personal to you, and you getting hurt by that or confused by that, which is not really what happened. But I was just, I was shaken by it, is what I'll say. <laughs> but one of the reasons I want to talk about this is when I was going on a trip with my friends recently, I got a text from my mom, and it was a really long block of text. My mom is, you know, not a typical texter. She'll occasionally text. It's not her way of communicating. She knows it's what I prefer, but it opened with, I read the book and I immediately closed it. I was like, no, 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 I cannot oh, deal no. with this right now. It's because it was a huge block of text and I had to tell my friends what happened because I think it was clear like, oh, wow, she, something is, she's stressed out, whatever. And I was like, oh, she just texted me about the book. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to deal with it right now because you and I have talked about this, Samantha, for different reasons, for very different reasons, I will say, you and I kind of tried to hide this book from our family. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, my family doesn't know still, or they haven't told me if they did. Yes, we both, which is sad. I mean, it should be such like a happy, mm -hmm. I want to share it with people. But for different reasons, we both were like, no, I, don't, I really don't want that. And so I didn't tell her. She knew it was coming she knew I had done it she would ask about it mm. um and I would be very vague but then I think she just sort of she looked me up online and it was like oh, here's the book and I was like oh no <laughs> I guess I was there when she did it <laughs> and so then I had to be like yeah it's been out for a while <laughs> um you know it's fine it's fine and she immediately ordered it and then I kind of had this vague hope of, like, maybe she won't read it. Like, maybe she'll just get it and never read it. But she read it. <laughs> she read it. Uh, and 
She was so nice about it. I eventually, I think it was like everyone had gone to sleep and I like was still awake and I read the text and it was very sweet. It was like a, a super kind, like bring tears to your eyes, supportive text. Yay. But And she, she was like, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe who you've become, like all of these things. But the reason I was so stressed about like her reading it was twofold. One was I've like I've come out to her, but never like super clearly, if that makes sense. Like I've I've said like I've even said I'm asexual, but mm-hmm. I think for some people that doesn't register as queer. That just registers as though she doesn't want sex. Right. Yeah. So I think I had done it. She's very supportive of that stuff. So I wasn't very worried about it, but it was just kind of a strange like. I didn't really have this conversation with you. And then the other chapter was the rape kit chapter where I talk about being sexually assaulted in college, which I never told her, never. I did kind of hint at it in one conversation, but I never told her because I didn't Mm want to talk about it. It's upsetting, (laughs) clearly. Like, I don't like talking about it. I thought she would blame herself. Mm. And then I was like, because my parents didn't want me to go to school in the city, which I think a lot of us can relate to. Right. And it's not that that wasn't why this happened. But I I was worried they'd be like, (laughs) which is such a silly worry, but I was worried they'd be like, see, we told you you shouldn't go to the city. Which has happened to people. Yeah. So legitimate. Yeah. I, I think it was more silly, and I don't think my parents would have done that. I think that right. was more of a, I felt stupid, and I don't like feeling stupid. Right. But they would have not done that. But I felt that way. And just the whole thing feels... And this is what I wrote. I, it's not... If you haven't read the book yet, it is not graphic in any way. It is not... That is not what I was going for. At all. And what I describe is kind of this feeling of like remembering a a movie and just like being like, oh, well, that's what happens on college campuses, right? Oh, too bad. I shouldn't have done that. Which I thought was kind of really very upsetting. That is incredibly upsetting. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not graphic, graphic at all. But she, so she had this whole thing in the text that was like, that never should have happened. So sorry. And the first thing I wanted to text back was like, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> like, no, why am I thinking like this? Ugh. But I was immediately worried that she felt mm-hmm. bad. And so it, it was like a really supportive text. I feel guilty I didn't tell her and that she found out about it like that. But I thought it was pretty telling that my first thing was like, okay, I feel I need to reassure her it's her fault. It's not her fault. Like, or else she's going to feel really bad and then it's going to be all of my fault. And so I get this thing about self-disclosure and I was reading it and I was like, yeah, because I wanted to share that. But I think that's one of the things where it's complicated because you feel... We were just talking about this. Some days you feel good with that and some days you don't. Um, And I wanted to share in particular that instance because it wasn't, I mean, I never would want to share something graphic, but it it was just sort of uh, more of my feeling I had after than anything else. 
But I did feel like I had to share it. And that, I think that a lot of people do feel that. And it's unfortunate because if we don't have these conversations, we've seen like nothing happens. Um, or people don't know that it happens or what's going on. They don't know. But then when you do, when you get something like Me Too, when you have people who are finding this wonderful connection online and supportiveness online, it's also a pressure to do that. And then you can get re-traumatized. You can have people who are commenting on your story who don't know you. And it can happen at like any time. You could be just going about your day scrolling through, I don't know, whatever you like to look at on social media. And then you see a comment that's like, oh, I don't believe you. Or there's some kind of comment that will upset you because you shared the story because you wanted to tell people the story and hopefully change things or help change things or help make things more clear. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. So that happened, and my mom and I haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> I was just telling you I put off calling her. That's part of the reason why. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet. Mm -hmm. I texted back and was like, thank you for reading it. I'm going on vacation. Because <laughs> she was kind of like, take care of yourself, do something fun. And I was like, on it. <laughs> That's cute. I like on it. it. But when I was, it's, it's been on my mind. And when I was in Vegas recently for work, I had this really cathartic dream. And I know people don't like hearing about dreams, but ultimately what happened is at the end, I was yelling at a friend like who was kind of hurting herself, sharing all of her pain with people. Like, you don't owe anyone anything. You don't owe anyone anything. And I woke up like, yeah. <laughs> like I needed to have that, uh, mm. that moment. And, you know, I'm, it's not that I regret it at all. I think it's just, it's, <laughs> it sucks. And you and I started this journey together as co-hosts mm -hmm. talking about this stuff, like mm -hmm. self-disclosing this very painful stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
and we thought it was important and we talked about it and we were very uh, careful with each other, checking in on each other, like making sure, okay, how are you? How are you? How are you? So I think we did it well and, and we did it looking out and, and making sure we weren't doing something that would hurt us uh, more than it was already going to hurt because uh, it's painful. <laughs> and I never like, I don't know. I do try to share the things I feel more like I can handle this. And there are other things I just won't. I will never, ever <laughs> share. And I think about that too, because I don't know if you remember this, Samantha, but one of the, I think it might have been the first conference we went to together, podcast conference in Orlando. Somebody in the audience asked us, like, where do you draw that line? Where is the the line between I want to share this because I think it's important and also I just want someone to know versus thinking about your own health but they also brought up like the health of the people in your life who might listen to it how that might hurt and I think that was a more specific family issue she was discussing Um, but I think about that a lot I think about that quite a bit And the answer is, you know, it's personal for everyone. It can change. I do think it's worth examining why you want to share it um, and really thinking about what it will mean for, like, maybe the the worst person to hear it. What would it mean? If it's out there, they could. Right. I don't know. It's complicated. Right. I mean, I think it was interesting because it was such for the four of us, the podcast host from uh, Ethically Ambiguous, who are great people, Shireen and um, Anna. And we did, we got, because we were talking very personal stories, both of us, uh, both the shows, because we had began, again, like we talked about our trauma series, us going through a lot of trauma. And it's interesting when I think about how far we've come through in, in understanding our limits. Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned this as I've gotten older, because in college, as a very heavy Christian teacher I taught testimonies Mm. are the way to go and the harsher the story is the more likely you're going to get engagement um, and people will trust you yeah it's literally a voyeuristic field day for people to hear those who have gone through the worst things cancer drugs uh, rape Mm. murder like any of those things and as an adoptee People love hearing my pain. And then people love hearing white people have saved me. And I was a circus show to prove the value of Christian saviors. And I never realized it because I was so engulfed in feeling guilty in having survivor's guilt. And we've talked about this so many times uh, that I owed my life by sharing this story, these stories. Mm-hmm. And I still feel that guilt in order to be taken seriously, in order to be taken seriously by the crowd of me proving that I have faith. I had to share the most personal stories to the point that <laughs> I worried that people were going to think that I'm lying. Yeah. And I know we we're going to talk about this. You're probably going to talk a little more about this in bed, but like, There's so much to this conversation of who you're doing it for 
and as a person of color, realizing what it was for, realizing what my story was used for. And, and yeah, it included so much, like it almost included a human trafficking level of conversation. And then again, like the like I've talked about in the book about the abortion chapter, about me being used as a scapegoat, um, me being personally told that I should be, of all people, uh, pro-birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially, that I uh, am a horrible hypocrite for not being so. And I bought into that until recently. I bought into that saying that, how could I be? I, you're so right. I owe this to the people who saved me. And the people who, quote unquote, saved me are the very people that I'm hiding the book from. Mm-hmm. I'm hiding my job from. They don't ask about my job other than, do you still doing it? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that they have no clue. Uh, and I, I've hid it from people who I think would accept and be proud of what I've done just because I don't want them to know. Um, and not because I'm ashamed, but because I don't want to fight. Um, and I don't want to feel even more separated from them. Um, but it is. It's this level of, like, the self-disclosure of what people want to hear, the voyeuristic uh level of people thriving and knowing, well, my life wasn't as bad as hers, thank God. Or she was a really big mess and I'm so much better off than that, thank God. Or look at my people, what we did for her people, she should be so grateful, that's right. Um, Which is one of the big comments that I've seen recently of adoptees who are trying to find their identity, criticizing their own uh, upbringing, and therefore they are ungrateful monsters. And I've seen it. I've seen the comments, which is really hard for me to take because it's personal. But that's, again, like that level of self-disclosure. Like what, at what point is it for them more so than for us? Right. And that is something to think about when self-disclosing. Because people, bad actors, will use your story perhaps in a way you do not want to prove a point mm-hmm. you did not mean. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly things that I've been like, okay, I just, that's better off never being said. I'll keep that one to myself. And there is the worry of like, oh, people won't believe this. I've definitely had people dismiss me because they're like, but you seem so okay. And I'm like, right. Okay. <laughs> Great, I guess. Well, now that you've said that, I'm fixed. Thanks for that. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And one time I did, and I hate that I did this, but it, it, I just got so frustrated with somebody who was telling me like he just couldn't believe there was this level of sexual assault. And oh, that's every time how I was like, well, let me tell you about all of this that has happened to mm-hmm. me. And he like, to his credit, was like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I should, I felt like that wasn't. We shouldn't have to. Yeah, I shouldn't have had to. And I I wish I had, I wish I had it. I wish I, because I don't like that I told it in that way. It didn't feel like a choice. It felt like I was so upset. It just came out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I didn't make the decision to disclose it. And, and that's one of the things, like going back to what that Slate article was saying, what they were sort of warning about was, you know, when you don't realize maybe the internet is forever, um, our book is forever, and you do it, that maybe you won't, you'd wish you had it. Or maybe you did it in like kind of an impulse thing and you didn't think it through all the way and wish you had it. I'm, I, I thought the book, trust me, I had many times I could have removed it. <laughs> so that's not what happened there. But it, in this instance with this person I was talking to, I wish I hadn't done it like that. And there's also something that happens that you were kind of talking about, Samantha, that I experienced in writing this book. And I'm not saying it's even wrong, but I'm saying that it's it encourages you to self-disclose more, is that people would tell me, like, oh, that chapter was really powerful. That was so powerful. Right. And I'm glad. But then that makes you feel like, okay, well, then what else can I mine and mm-hmm. talk about that would be mm-hmm. powerful? And I'm not, to reiterate, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that I think that can put in your mind, like, okay, well, then I need to talk about the darkest thing that I can, because then I'll get, like, rewarded for it. Right. And as you were also saying, kind of not the same thing, but kind of, the our internet algorithms also put that stuff in front of you. They are putting up that, they're giving it a boost. And so that's getting more traction than something that maybe isn't as upsetting. Um, (laughs) Which is like kind of losing the whole picture of whatever you're talking about. And it can lead to that pressure once again to, oh, I've got to share my story then. Even if you aren't in a good place to, even if it will cause you pain, 
and or you feel bad that you don't because you're seeing like, oh, everyone else is doing it and they're getting all this. Like, oh, you're helping people so much by sharing this and I'm not sharing it. So what does that say? Right. So it's just a mess in that way as well. Um, <laughs> but it, it's 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 complicated because it's also, I mean, we've talked about it. It is powerful to share those things, especially things we don't talk about a lot. And it, it's unfortunate that people have to. I just saw something about abortion about that because there's a lot of anti-abortion laws being proposed across the U.S. And um, people were saying like all of the people who have had abortions and these terrible experiences not being able to get abortions shouldn't have to share these stories, but it's kind of urgent. So, <laughs> and we need to know. So that's, once again, just sucks. It just sucks. Here's another quote from that Slate article. Further, self-disclosure can also open the door for more self-disclosure from others. You share your story with someone, then they share theirs with you. If you are still struggling with your mental health, you might not have the capacity to hold these kinds of responses. As powerful as it may be to know that your story made it easier for someone else to share theirs, you aren't their therapist, and their story might trigger components of yours. Trust me when I say that, as a psychiatrist, listening to other people's stories is one of the hardest things I do, and I am trained in it. So I want to include that not to discourage people from sharing their stories um, at all, but it is true that when, <laughs> once again, sometimes you're going about your day and you get an email and you're like, oh no, <laughs> it's about this. And, and, and it depends on your mental state. Some days that email will find me just fine. And it's up to me to know that. It's up to me to know that. Like, do not read this right now. You are not in the place to do this right now. But that is true, especially for someone bigger than you and I, like Britney Spears, where you're just getting bombarded by all of these things. And it's beautiful to share your story. And we always appreciate people who take the time to do it and the vulnerability of doing it. But I do think that's something also to keep in mind when you do self-disclose is people are going to want to do so with you. Right. And be ready for that and have a plan for that. Right. Um, to protect yourself. Yeah. I think there's another point I will say, like, <laughs> as a person who had a bad habit of this, because I'm not good at fake answers. Mm -hmm. So if you asked me how I was doing and I'd say I'm not very good and they'll be like, how's work? And I'm like, well, do you really want to know? And then telling someone, mm -hmm. uh, like, I've been called out being like, you are doing telling too much. You, <laughs> we don't want to hear that because my job was that on a constant level where I had story after story after story of heartbreak and trauma and all these things, there's this level of like, yeah, 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 I get it. You don't want me to talk about this. I'm trying not to. But also, if you're friends with someone who works in that field, don't want to ask if you don't want to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, just as much as uh, you think that, you know, you might know, you probably don't. So be aware of that. A, also for those who live in that world, it's hard to separate it from everything else. Um, and self-disclosure in that they just, this is also why people don't go out a lot or try to hang out with people within their own groups. And then when they're in those groups, if you are not from that world, that world's going to traumatize you. So <laughs> beware. Mm -hmm. um, I speak from experience in which we 
uh, you know, we, we really would have to try to tone it down. But sometimes it was hard. It's hard. It's hard when you live in a world of trauma. And I say this for those who work in hospitals, who are teachers, who are social workers, um, who are doc, you know, like all these different things, nurses, doctors, all the things. If you were living in a conflict-torn world, if you have family in that world, if you have people that you, you know, like you know in that world, it's going to be hard not to hear it. Um, so there does live like a middle ground of privilege uh, and a responsibility as well. So like, it's like, yes, for those who of, of us who are self-disclosing, be aware that things are happening around the world that not everybody wants to hear about all the time, but also for those who have never had to deal with that, lucky you, mm-hmm. maybe it's time for you to hear that side mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really hard. It is. And that therapist being 100% correct, well, like, if you're not ready to hear it, you might not want to disclose it. <laughs> yeah. That's mostly the point I'm making because we're in a yeah, public yeah, yeah. space. It's hard, though. So if 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 we talk about it, people are going to respond to it. That makes sense. So you just have to be ready. You've got to be ready. For that. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know your friends are in a volatile state asking, are you okay? Not probably the way to go if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but also to reiterate, like, you listeners have been great. There's nothing you have done or said. There's right. no target of this. It's just uh, something I found interesting uh, when it comes to being in this space um, and sharing stuff like that and hearing from other people. Uh, it, ultimately, it was sort of like I waited to respond to my mom, but I did read it within the day and I did respond. Um, <laughs> Proud of you. I know that's, that was, was nerve-wracking. It was. Um, but I'm also like, she read the book. That's so sweet. <laughs> That's so kind. Thank you for, for reading the she book. Bought she it. bought yes, it and read the book. You. Thank you. <laughs> Again, more than anybody from our company is done. So thanks. <laughs> My mom is a sweetie. Uh, well, yeah, those are some thoughts on self disclosure. Like I said at the top, this is a very specific, like, there's a lot of realms of self disclosure. This was a very specific one. Right. Um, a very personal one. But I'm sure we'll probably come back uh, in the future to talk about it. Uh, But in the meantime, listeners, uh, if you have any thoughts about this or any other topics we should talk about, you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff Never Told You. We have a tea public store and we do have a book. Yes. You can get it wherever you get your books. Uh, thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. 
brilliantly boring since 1865 as a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.